Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for time and season. Thank you for every uh, person that is sitting here and those that will be listening on the internet uh, through live stream, Father. You send your word in season In due time, Lord, you always send a word to your people. So we pray that you would bless your word this morning. And we're going to consider it a timely word for things that will come to pass in our future. We pray that you would bless your word and that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit, O God. We pray that you give us understanding, that you give us wisdom. That your word this morning might be the bread of life. That we might not only nourish our physical bodies, but that we might nourish our spirit with your word. We pray, Father God, that your word not return void, but that it accomplishes the purpose for which you send it, O God. We pray, Father God, that you would prosper your word in our lives like a lamp that shines before our feet so we not stumble, Lord. We pray, Father, for clarity and for understanding because we know that your word makes foolish people wise. And we need understanding, Father God, so that we might prosper in all our ways. We ask you to bless and prosper your people here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This uh, week has been a a real intense week here at the church. We started out on Monday, like I said. We were teaching the men that they have a threefold responsibility. And men don't like responsibility. That's why um, they, they go into all sorts of hobbies and toys. But the truth of the matter is the, tree, the threefold calling of God for men is that they would be a prophet in their home. <clears throat> so many weird things are happening around the world by people listening to false prophets, people that are not directing uh, families in the way of the Lord. But a prophet is a person who hears from God and speaks to his house. Every man should be listening from God. A lot of people says, well, God never speaks to me. Um, I wonder what this is. God's word. So if God is not speaking to you, you're not picking this up. Because God does speak to men through his word. And if you want to speak to your family as an instrument of God's direction for your family, you're in the word. You, 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 you're coming into the knowledge of God and you speak his word over your family. Then every man is called to be a priest to his house. And a priest is the one that sacrifices to God. They were the ones that brought whatever it was that was to be presented to God so that God would bless the home. The first man, um, Adam, had two boys, uh, one named Cain, the other named Abel. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 4 that Cain brought something that did not please God. He brought leftovers. He was like, God hears anything. And the Bible says God did not receive his offering, but he received Abel's offering. It was pleasing to the Lord. So the question is for the men, what are you bringing before God that he might prosper your family? What is the spiritual tie of the excellence of your worship where you're bringing the the blessing of God upon your own? A a lot of people wait for travesty and calamity to take place in their life to then run to God and say, why'd you do this? And God is saying, where were you this whole time? 
Why weren't you covering your family with, with gifts and offerings that were pleasing to the Lord? Uh, a lot of times we don't even know what those pleasing things are. That you're worshiping God, that you're acknowledging God. And then finally, we talk about the man being a king. So prophet, priest, and a king. A king speaks about administration and authority over a sovereign area where he reigns. So peace and joy emanate from the character of the king. He protects his own. He provides. That's what every man should be in his own home should be a, a noble existence. And, and so it's super and powerful. When the men were here on Monday night, that's what they heard. They didn't hear about Spring of Life. They didn't hear about Joaquin Molina. They didn't hear about religion. They heard that God calls them to be a prophet, a priest, and a king to their home. That's the manly role. And so uh, there are some perverted pastors out there that say that they're the prophets and the businessmen in their churches are the kings. They're supposed to go and plunder property and come and put it at the feet of the prophet. That's twisted. That's not right. That's not from the Lord. What the word of God teaches is that every man be a prophet. That means he would hear the voice of God. And that every man be a priest. That means his voice comes before God on behalf of his family. There is no greater blessing that a man could do than to pray for his family. We worry about our kids' bank account. We worry about their education. We worry about their business relationships. But how about their relationship with God? Are we teaching them how to relate to God? Super important. And then finally, being kings in the administration of justice and balancing um, the stewardship of their families. And so I, I, I thought it was a great big blessing there on Monday night. Again, this teaching, it was about an hour long, and it was on Monday night. Every Monday night, the Lord brings something special. For who? For men. And so if you're a wife this morning, you go, hey, honey, I think you need to be going to these men's meetings. Um, but then you, uh, we talked on Wednesday, the Lord spoke to us about being a God of order. See, God is not a God of confusion. Wherever there's no order, there's confusion, there's chaos. In this world, things are twisted. Why? Because they're not living according to God's order. And it was a powerful message. We had the Lord's Supper. We broke the bread. We drank from the cup that the Lord told us to celebrate. It would bring life. It would be strength. It would bring healing. But we don't participate. A lot of people don't participate of the Lord's Supper, the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup. And then finally, I was invited on Friday because Joshua, uh, my second son, is taking his realtor's course. And he says, Dad, I'm going 9 to 6, Monday through Sunday. Um, actually, this, this morning he's taking an exam. He's, he's, he's getting ready to finish that course. But he says on Friday night, I don't have time. He leads our, our middle school um, young people, and he says, I won't have time to go teach on Friday night. I said, I'll go for you. I'll go and I'll, I'll talk to those young people. And you know what I talked about? I don't know if we still have the poster there. If you guys could put the poster of what I shared on uh, Friday night, there's a new movie out. It's called The Avengers. And everybody and their grandmother are going to The Avengers. They're learning about Captain America and Iron Man and... Um, Lady Gaga, I mean Gamora. Look at, look at this picture of these superheroes. Wizards and witches. Twisted fate of ruined reality. They're trying to save the universe. That's, that's in every superhero magazine. Saving the universe. But as I look over to this cross over there, 
I see a real savior. I see somebody who really came into this world and died for many. And these people get shot, they get beat up, and they never die. They never lose their life. They're trying to save their life. And so if you go into the particulars of each one of these characters, you find out that many represent mythological Greek gods with supernatural powers of holding themselves out to be God when they're not. That's what, that's what the, they represent, a lot of these guys. Um, the women, I think the most wicked one is that one over there. She's Mrs. Green Lady. She's all green. She's known as the most dangerous woman in the universe. Who wants to be married to her? Nobody. This is a wicked witch. And so your kids are going to these movies, and they're getting the download. So we were talking about, I put world-changing lies. The Bible says we're not to take vengeance because vengeance belongs to the Lord. We're not to go and fight uh, evil because he fights our battles. And so in the attempt of these people downloading all the junk, see the big green guy down there, Hulk? He's an old man that throws tantrums. A lot of us have one at home that's punching doors and kicking and screaming and threatening, and, and they're just overgrown babies. They're not mature men. They're venting. And so that, that is the concept. So when your kids get upset or when they have some issues in life, they're, and that's a bunch of baloney. That's, a, that's stuff that's not healthy for the life of our children. But yet we're going and we're paying large sums of money to go sit there and be entertained for two and a half hours. Now, this is, I think there's like going to be four of these movies, The Avengers, this is only the third one that's out now. And right in the middle of this movie, when they're all scrambling to find out what the answer of the world is going to be, they say, we need to have a master that would lead us. And so right in the middle of the movie, they says, yeah, like Jesus Christ, right? And they begin to laugh at Jesus. Just boldly, just outright. Like Jesus is a joke. Like those who trust in the Lord are, are, are not living with reality. So, so we were talking to the young people, and I didn't know this, but many of them um, were going to go this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, to go see the movie. And they went up to their parents and said, please don't take us to see that. We don't want to see a movie with witches and warlocks and people mocking our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't want to pay to go see... Uh, wizards and demons and secret potions and magic and Dr. Strange, really? You, that, that, that is the fodder. This is el alimento. This is what's being put out there to consume the thoughts, the minds. And, and these Avengers started eight Avengers. Over the years, now there's 77 Avengers. They keep on adding to these personality. And your kids know their name. They know their address. They know their nicknames. They know their powers. They know all things about these uh, poor souls. And so what I, I was sharing on Friday night, and, and it was super powerful, um, they said, look, we, we think you should share it on Saturday night. So I came back last night, and I met with, uh, with Living Stones, and, and we just went back and forth. 
we went back and forth in these dilemmas because we live in a culture that you say, okay, okay, pastor, you're talking about cartoons, really? I mean, are you going to waste your time telling us about? Well, let me tell you something. I, I believe that there's a, a distinction between fantasy and reality. And if you're eating off a of fantasy all the time, you don't eat off a of reality. And so just like somebody would be addicted to heroin and wants to be uh, stuck on opiates and heroin, other people want alcoholism, other people want pornography, everybody that wants a fanciful world will forego reality. And so as I sit here as the pastor of this church for the last 20 years, I started at the age of 30, uh, my, my wife, um, 25 at the time, uh, three small boys, uh, Brandon, where's Brandon? Come here, Brandon. Brandon, he says, I was six months old when this church started. Now you are 20 and six months. <laughs> so this is my youngest boy, Brandon, and he leads our children's ministry. This guy has about 70 enanitos that come every Friday night, and, and he is teaching them about the Lord. And so they, they, they want to know about Brandon. They want to see what he does on his, uh, he's, he's, in, he's studying to be a doctor. He's in pre-med. Uh, when I see Brandon open a biology book, a chemistry book, I'm like, wow. This guy has his head in the books. But not only does he have his head in the books and he's preparing to be a doctor, he loves God. He, he lives to, to know God and to please God. And he could have told me, Dad, I don't want to be no youth pastor of 70 enanitos. I, I don't want to be there every week, you know, Friday after Friday after Friday. Then after he teaches them and he leads worship, which was phenomenal, um, he takes them outside and, and they play tag. I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know, but he could have told me, Dad... I'm not interested in being here to take care of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So uh, Joshua is taking an exam, but where's Nick? Nick, come up here. Nick is our leader to our Saturday night high school and college. And he just finished his first year of law school. He just finished. But besides having his head in the books, because first year of law school, I almost went crazy. He's a youth leader at his church. He loves God. He wants to please God. He wants to know God. He's always saying, Dad, when is your next trip? Because I want to go with you also to, to talk to men about God. And so we, we led him in these conferences to men speak and challenge 23 years old, but already living a measure of an exemplary life. That means, th this is very powerful. Be an example to your generation. That means hold yourself out to say, you know something? Look how I live. Look how I talk. Look how I walk. Look at my life and understand that God is real. This is not religion. This is reality. This is living life as God instructed in his word. So I, I think Joshua's at his class this morning. Uh, again, Father, I pray for Joshua and his exam this morning that you would just prosper him and allow him to finish 
this realtor's course before he starts law school in August. In Jesus' name I pray. So you guys go ahead and have a seat. My wife is always bothering me because she says you never call our daughter up. You guys that have a daughter know why you don't call your daughter up. Because then the vultures come. Right? But I'll call Christina up. Christina, come here, please. All, all the snipers, please get ready in your positions. Security, please. Detail, security, security. This is my 17-year-old daughter. I know, I know, she's beautiful. So she wasn't born when the church was started. She, she I think, she's, how old were you? Church starts as in 98, right? And you're born in 2000. Okay, so two years into the church, my wife decided she was in love with me and wanted to have another child. <laughs> so we have our fourth. And, and so Christina's born, she's the joy of our home. She, she's just like, she, she walks, she's, I don't want to say this because it's not biblical, she's the goddess in our home. And, and everybody, and I taught the boys, you mess with anything you want, but never mess with Christina. Because then the wrath of dad will show up. Um, but, but the peace, and, and this young girl who's 17, about two years ago, she was about 15, she says, I don't have to listen to the world and what they say about makeup and Botox and, and, and boob jobs. I don't know if that's right to say that. Uh, I'm beautiful because God made me this way. I, I don't have to be pretending what this world calls beautiful. And that's of her own, her own expression. So it's going to be a sad day when a gentleman tries to come and, and tell Christina something because she's going to go, wait a second, you got to go back to your mama. I'm not going to raise a, an immature brat. So, so thank you for your life and, and for what God is doing. Uh, go ahead and have a seat. I, the reason why I call my children up here, because the very first thing I asked God, why he wanted me to get married to Yvette, and, and this was serious. I, mean, I, I don't know... I, I asked God, why do you want me to promise to marry Yvette forever? Forever is a long time. And back then when I was 27 and we were going to get married, when I asked the Lord this, he actually responded by taking me to Malachi 2.15. This is the last book in the Old Testament. And God tells me, Joaquin, the reason why I want you to get married to Yvette forever is because... In making you one, did he not make you one? We're on the same team. God is, God is putting a man and a woman together to be one. Having a remnant of the spirit, he could have made them many. Why one? Why did God want a husband and a wife to promise to be together forever? Is it because it would benefit the man? No. Would it benefit the woman? No. It would benefit God because this oneness in the home, and this is what he told me, because God seeks godly offspring. That's what God is wanting. The, the, the result is very, very pinpointed is that God wants our children to live in such a way that they live like God wants them to live. So take heed to your spirit. Be careful how you're acting and let no one deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. 
Don't sit there and play games with this relationship that you're coming into because it, this relationship is not to benefit one another. It's to benefit your children. And so here early on, the Lord is already talking. The purpose of you and Yvette being together, and, and remember, I'm in law school before I get married, and I had heard something called the life sentence. So when I heard I was to get married to her for my whole life, I said, this is not, this is not, this is not good. This is a penalty. I was like, I can't believe this will be the first time that I make a decision in my life that will be for the rest of my life. And so you could understand why I was concerned. Because I was like, hey, how, how does this work? So we've been married now for 24 years. And, and, and God has shown us incredible peace and joy and purpose. And it's super powerful. Things that I didn't know when I started out, now I understand more. But particularly, our relationship is not about us. Our relationship is about our children. And people are so selfish in the marriage relationship that their children actually go through hell. There's not a moment of peace. There's not a moment of security. There's not a moment of protection. So when Nick was about 18 years old, this was graduating from high school, I said, okay, Nick, you're coming into manhood. How, how are things? He goes, I want to thank you. I go, you want to thank me for what? For all the clothes I bought you? He goes, no. For all the food I bought you? No. For the car I bought you? No. I want to thank you that you never left home. Isn't that powerful? And the only reason I didn't throw a tantrum in the leave and throw a towel and get upset is because Jesus resided in my heart all those years, started getting stronger, and Jesus would say these words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what a man tells his wife. I'm not going to abandon you. As a lawyer, I had women come into my law office and says, I want a divorce. I said, why? Your husband cheated on you? He said, no. Why? Does he beat you? No. Well, does he not pay the bills? No. I know that that son of a gun is going to leave me when I get old. So I'm going to leave him first. This was actual clients that I had to come to my law office. Women that were scared and terrified that as they got older, this degenerate would leave them. And so that is not to be the case with those people who have Jesus Christ in their hearts. And as Jesus Christ grows and is stronger and more evident, they tell their wives, I'll never leave you. There's no way I will ever abandon you. I will not forsake you. I'm going to be with you to the end. I'm going I'm to be there to the end for you. Um, and so this is also the benefit to children in that regard. So Nick tells me, I thank you that you never left. That there wasn't a time that you threatened to leave. That divorce was, was, was brewing in our house with infidelity or distraction or um, apathy or indifference. No. This, this has been a powerful thing that God... Okay, so we get back to this aspect of raising godly children. The whole purpose for marriage is designed... So that we can have children that love God, that know God, that please God in an ungodly age. Where people do not want to consider God and they have a misconception of who God is and what he does. I have an uncle who's very wealthy, very prominent. He's never come to this church. He says, I know what happens in that church. There's a bunch of people that get together to gossip. Since he doesn't know, since he's never seen any of my preaching, he thinks that this is a place where old people gather to gossip. And so he's blinded by reality. I was sharing with the youth this weekend, 1 John 5, 19. 
And if you were to read the Bible in 1 John 5, 19, it says two things. It says we are the children of God. We know that. We know that while people don't understand who we are, there is something that tells us we're not children of the devil. We're not in rebellion and disobedience. We are children of God. And in that day when we stand in the throne of God, God is going to decide whether you were his son and honored him or whether you were the son of the devil and rebelled. And it's going to be a scary thing for a scary day for a lot of people. In fact, when I first became a Christian, that, that was the issue. I had a little cousin of mine. She was nine years old. I was 15, 16 years old. And she says, Joaquin, you're going to go to hell. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go to hell. But I was so rebellious and so disobedient. It scared hell right out of me. It scared the hell out of me. And I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus. And I've been a Christian and I'm a son of God for the past 34 years. And so I'm trying to listen to his voice. I try to understand his word. We know that we are of God. We belong to God. But the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. That means there's people distracted in all sorts of stuff that have nothing to do with God. And when they die, they don't leave a legacy of blessing over their home. They don't have a legacy of, uh, like, I, I always use my grandfather as an example. I, I don't have one godly advice that my grandfather would pass down that I would say, my, my grandfather always told me never to miss church. Because it's one of the commandments, one of the Ten Commandments. Keep the day of the Lord holy. Keep the Sabbath day. Honor it. It's, it's the fourth commandment. And so after that commandment comes the one of children, obey your parents. So if the kids are not doing the first one, which is going to the house of God on the day of the Lord, they're not going to go to the second one to honor their parents. And so they're not going to go to the third, thou shall not steal, thou shall not covet, thou shall not kill, thou shall not commit adultery. So everything that's going on in the world are people not listening to God. And so we freak out that some young kid would go into a high school with a gun and kill everybody off. And then ask, why is this happening? Why? Because you never took him to church. Why? Because he has no fear of God. Why? Because he didn't see anything wrong with what he was doing. There was no clarity. So this godly offspring from parents that are listening to the Lord. Listen to this verse that I have here. It's really powerful. 1 Samuel 1.27 when God finally answered the prayer to this woman to have a child, she had a, a baby boy called Samuel, and he would become one of the biggest prophets in Israel. For this child I prayed, a lot of us prayed for our children, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. It's super powerful to see people praying for children and then kidnapping them to not know God and taking them far from the word of God and from the Bible. But she says, Lord, this child you have given me that I prayed for, you've granted my petition, and you've given me a son. And so she says in verse 28, she says, now that you've given me my son, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he shall live, he shall be uh, given to the Lord. And then she began to worship the Lord. So one of the things is God gives you a child the other thing is you say, like Miguel and Annalise did today, Lord, you've given this princess to me. Use her for your glory. Amen. Let this whole world see that this woman is going to be like yours. She's going to have a smile. She's going to have joy. She's going to have peace. 
She's not going to uh, be like Siley Myris. <coughs> She's not going to dishonor her parents. She's not going to be a wrecking ball. She's going to be a princess for the Lord. She's going to walk in a way that honors her dad and her mom and her family and, and the legacy of the Vidal tradition. So real powerful is that God has given us children. What we do with our children now depends on these aspects of what they will become. When my oldest boy was three, Joshua was two, and Brandon was one, I came back from the courthouse late at night, and the Lord says, wait a second. I just heard the Holy Spirit like, like say, hey, I want you to stop there. We, we lived in a 3-2. a It was a small house. And as I was going into my room, their room was right across the door from my room. And I, I heard the Lord says, I want you to look in there. So I, I went in there, and the three munchkins were, were sleeping. Uh, we had a bunk bed where I don't know what was the setting. I think Joshua was on the bottom because he's heavier. Brandon was on the top. And then Nick had his own bed to the side. So all three of them were in one room. And I hear the voice of the Lord. These small children belong to me. Respect them. I was like respect them what's that mean it means raise them in godliness don't you dare throw a tantrum and hurt them and disrespect them or speak words that are offensive don't don't do anything that would disturb their development let me tell you something from that day forward i started treating these guys as if they really belong to God and they were going to do something in this world that would launch and benefit the kingdom of God whatever would happen these guys were going to be raised and groomed from the time they were three two and one to represent the reality of God in this world so a lot of people think it's religion it's not it's reality all three of them are champions all three of them are serious we, we met with Kenny Luck Kenny Luck is a pastor that was over the men's ministry of Rick Warren's church in California, the Saddleback Church. And so Kenny Luck um, was looking for a husband for his 31-year-old daughter. Nick was 19. And Kenny Luck says, I have never met a man as mature as Nick, and I would like him for my daughter. I said, it's a problem. Your daughter's 31. This young guy is 19. But the seriousness of his thoughts, his words, his communication, his exchange. Woo! His exchange with Kenny Luck was, listen, I'm looking for somebody that would marry my daughter. Not a clown. Nobody wants a clown for their daughter. They want a champion. They want somebody that would lead their daughter in a manner that she would feel peace and joy. Not throwing tantrums. Not acting like a kid. Not being immature, but being a spiritual leader and a godly man in his home. And so Kenny Luck was able to do that. Uh, you guys know the exchange in the Bible when Abraham was going to go find a wife for his son Isaac. That he gave 11 camels full of treasure and gold and silver. I told Kenny Luck, I go, well, get your camels lined up. Get your camels lined up. Um, but the truth of the matter is we're raising up champions to be able to marry a godly woman to have godly offspring the biggest curse that anybody could do is to give their children you'll see it here i, I have a verse um i want to hurry up too because I'm, I'm overstepping my bounds here 
Listen what this verse says, and it's super powerful. I got all my notes. You know something? If this was a Christian church, we would be hearing people praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're talking to us about today. This is, this is what church is really about. I've come here to listen to God's voice for my family. You Listen, you can play all you want, but the truth is God is speaking today to those who have a heart to listen to his word. Huh? Help them, Lord. It's super powerful that, that part of the wealth that, that we have to pass down from generation to generation. I, I can't let you leave without this verse. Here it is. Proverbs 13, 22. A wise man, a righteous man, leaves. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, if, if you're a wicked man, you, you see this verse and you, you start thinking money. And this is not talking about money. This is talking that you raise a child to leave to your grandchildren. A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren. What is the best inheritance you can leave to your grandchildren? It's a righteous son. It's a son that has wisdom. You, you don't want to give your son a father who's an imbecile, who's a foolish man, who is an immature man, an irresponsible man. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So... I'm, I'm telling Yvette already, I'm, I can't wait to have grandchildren. I, I can't wait because listen to me. They're going to have the best parents in the world. Amen. They're going to have incredible parents. The, the, the wisdom, the joy, the peace that they will teach my grandchildren is through the roof amazing. I have no doubt that my kid is not going to grab a Harry Potter book and put it in the hands of my grandson. And, and after last night, they're not going to take them to Avengers. They're not going to take them to eat off of Wizards and Witches and Doctor Strange and, and Gamora and all the Sodom that is in the world. That means we're not giving our kids trash to eat. They will delight in eating the best of the land. And so a wise man, a good man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. In our family, there were great fortunes. But you know what happened to the sons of those men that dedicated themselves to raise up great fortune? My uncle would be the son of one of the brilliant minds that came out of Cuba. My, my, his father was a scientist. He, he would establish a school here in Miami. He went to the University of Miami, this young man, and graduated as an engineer. He was the best in his class, and he committed suicide four years ago. He shot himself because life got too big. In his intellectual capacity, he had no room for God. He had no peace. He wrecked his marriage. He wrecked his children. His daughter would become a lesbian. She would marry another woman. 
So when you see the brilliance of the inheritance that was passed down in our family, it was destruction. But we have listened to the word of God. God has spoken to us about our children, about our marriages, about our future, and we've made a decision. We've made a choice for excellence. People call me religious. I call me reality. I'm living a dream. I'm living what the word of God promises for those who fear the Lord. Psalm 112 promises like this. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Verse 1. Psalm 112. Verse 1. Blessed is the man who fears God and has great delight in his commandments. You will see that I'm not following some religion. I'm following the word of God. I, I didn't go to Bible school. I, I didn't become a theologian. I, I've put my nose in this book for 20, for 34 years. It says, this man who is blessed is because he fears God and has great delight in his commandments. What, what is the fruit what is the fruit of a man who respects God and loves his word? Verse 2. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. His children will be champions. Not because he went to Harvard or Yale or came down the, the lineage of business. It's because he looked up to heaven and honored the God of heaven and, and respected his word. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation, the, the legacy of those that come out of those that stand right with God will be blessed. Well, it's defined blessing, pastor. Verse 3. Riches, wealth will be in his house. God will be present. He'll take care of us. One of the questions Nick asked me when he graduated from high school and started college, he goes, how do I know that I will prosper? How do I know that it will go well with me? And I said, because you honor God, Nick. When you honor God, he honors you. It's not that, that, that we, we're famous or infamous. It's because we know God. We love God. We trust God. We're not perfect. We're genuine. We're genuine. We're, we're trying to, to scale to the heights of these realities. Our generation would be the first generation that does that in our family. If we look back, we have horror stories of things that were never supposed to take place. My grandfather leaves my grandmother at the age of 72, some years before that. He must have been 68. Imagine you're with a woman your whole life, and at 68, you're like, I'm done with you. I'm done. I was like, thank you, grandfather, for that great example. Thank you for the example of, of our family of walking out on grandma. Ya al final. It's ludicrous. It was crazy. And then he takes off with his girlfriend who has a mustache. Because, yeah, your girlfriend at that age has a mustache. And so that freaked us out. We didn't want to kiss her because we always get pricked by her whiskers. Granddad took off with a woman with a mustache. And he did not give us a legacy of what God intends for us to have. But this is the word of God. And, and my prayer this morning, and why do I speak like this? Look, I, I really didn't know that the Vidal family was going to present the baby today. They told me a couple minutes before, but in my heart, it weighs heavy that some of us call ourselves Christians and we're trashing our kids. 
We're, we're not keeping them away from the world. The, the word secular is that word that in the Latin means worldly. There has to be a, a limit to tell your children we're not going like the world. And you take your children down to Winwood, what's it called, Winwood? And you take pictures with all the crazy, chaotic, cultural festivities. And you're like, look at this. These guys have grand. When, when I was growing up, I'm sorry, I'm getting old. It was called vandalism. You didn't grab a building and start writing all over it. You didn't grab your body and, and tattoo it. Hey, what's going on? I'm tatted up. See, all that is disrespect, it's dishonorable, it's out of order, it's going to breed confusion. And so when you take pictures at Wynwood and you're celebrating cultural vandalism, don't freak out when, you're, when your son brings a, a, a husband home. Don't freak out when your daughter brings a wife home and your granddaughter, you know, is, is, is in twistedness because you decided your entire life to keep her away from the kingdom of God. You decided your entire, oh, these people are too religious. Listen to me. In light of what the devil wants to do with your offspring, you better pray that somebody runs into this book and makes a reality. You better pray that somebody takes God serious. Because I, I take the contrast of this man who fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. His children will be powerful on the land. You flip that around. You have a degenerate dad who's selfish and keeps his children away from God. His kids are not mighty in the land. We have to show this picture. Could you guys put the picture up there with the congresswoman? This is our congresswoman who served five presidents in the last 20 years. Started with Reagan, then Bush, then Clinton, then Bush Jr., then Obama. Her name is Ileana ross Lettinen. She's a champion in our community, but not to her daughter. Her daughter was born Amanda Michelle, and now her daughter wants to call himself Rodrigo. She, he wants to live like a man in a woman's body. If that's not twistedness and darkness and a curse, I don't know what is. But the truth is, this is when you decide to kidnap your daughter and, and take her in a direction that doesn't honor God. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know what she is. She doesn't know where she's coming from or where she's going. And that is the supreme expression of the elite in our community. Those who say they're championing the cause of the Cuban plight in America. And they cannot defend their own home and their own daughters. They do not know the way of the Lord. They're not walking in righteousness. They don't have clarity. It's confusion and depression. The guy has a beard already. Taking male testosterone hormones to look every day less like a woman. And so God is telling us that there is a contrast in our day. And we can't apologize for being the people of God. And desiring the things of God. And listening to the word of God. And the only difference between our family and any other family in the world is Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. It's raising godly children in a godless age. Nobody is making that distinction. And so uh, I want to, let's go ahead and stand this morning. I pray with all my heart that the parents that are in this house would begin to walk in such a way that they leave a legacy of reality to their children. I want to tell you that at the forefront of this responsibility, 
Isaiah 38, 19, it says it very clearly. If we're going to live, if we're going to live to praise God in the manner that God is calling us this day, it's the Father that must make known God's truth to the children. Yeah, I'm a pastor, and I'm a spiritual leader, and I'm trying, and I did it, I, I do it 20 years here in Miami, but I do it all around the world trying to teach people to keep the way of the Lord because I've seen the blessing in my life, so I, I encourage men everywhere to do that. But it's not my responsibility. It's the Father's. It's the Father's responsibility to, to not lead their family down a rabbit's hole. Uh, about five years ago, I got to run into the gentleman who was Julio Iglesias. I mean, guys, in the Hispanic world, we got a lot of crap to deal with. Willie Chirino's favorite song is that he spent the night with a prostitute with black socks. That, that, that's, that's our heritage, right? She had black socks and she stole my heart. Wickedness, lust, lasciviousness. So I get to talk to the manager who managed Julio Iglesias for 30 years of his career. He has six sons. His last name is Freles. And I said, you're writing your, your memoirs, your biography now, right? You're going to get a lot of money. You better write in the last chapter that your whole life was a joke and you, you, you went over the cliff. Your whole life represented nothing because he thought that if he would manage Julio Iglesias, his whole prosperity and inheritance would be good and then everything went over the cliff so I told him personally this guy had counseled kingdoms he was the counselor of the prime minister of Italy he would uh, he was the counselor of the king of Morocco but he could not counsel his children his six sons I said you better write on the last chapter of your memoirs that you missed it. That you followed the glory of this world and not the glory of God. And so he received Jesus Christ with me that day that we spoke for lunch. Super important that every generation tell the next generation about what they learn. Psalm 78 verse 3. The things which we have heard and known because our fathers have told us. If you don't tell your story without Jesus, what your life was, your kids are going to live the same sad reality. A father needs to instruct his children in the way they should go. Verse 4 says like this, not only the things we heard and known, we will not hide them from our children. Telling to the generation to come how they ought to praise the Lord because of his strength and wonderful works which he has done. Some of us have children because it was a miracle. But we don't serve the God of that miracle. We should turn our hearts back to homes. We should speak to our grandchildren about the word of the Lord. Verse 5. He established a testimony. He appointed a law that we should live by. Which he commanded our fathers that they would make known to their children. There it says it again. If the nexus is not, not, not that the father teaches the child, the father teaches the child, the father teaches the child. Why? So that the child could teach his grandchildren. So it goes on to each generation. Verse 6. That the generation might know, uh, that the generation to come might know them, the children 
who would be born that they might arise and declare them to their children. Our, our children will talk to their children about the reality of our relationship with God. Verse 7, the generation might come. It says that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Verse 8, not like their stubborn fathers who were rebellious, a generation that did not set their hearts aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Father, I thank you for this day that you have made. You're always making a contrast between blessing and curse, between light and darkness, between truth and lies, oh God, between the things that are sweet and the things that are bitter, between the world and the kingdom of God, between honoring and dishonoring, between being obedient and being disobedient, between being uh, submissive or being rebellious, between heaven and hell. Father, we pray, O oh God, that you give us godly parents, godly men and women who have the kingdom of God in their hearts, in their lives, in their thoughts, in their words, that make a contrast and a difference. And because we know you, and because you have known us and have come into our lives, we live differently, Lord. We think differently. We aspire to different realities than the world that's in darkness and confused and chaotic. Father, give us godly fathers. Give us godly parents. Give us homes that love the word of God and love the people of God and want the blessing of God over their descendants, O oh God. Father, we don't want to be clowns. We don't want to continue a circus flaunting realities that are untrue, O oh God. We pray, Father God, for all these families we have spoken about here and pray that the, the light of the gospel might shine upon them, Lord, and that they might be restored and renewed and saved, O oh God, through your grace. Be glorified, Lord. Open the windows of the heaven and cause to fall upon us, Lord, the blessings of those who fear God and keep his commandments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.